yeah, I stay the same. Looking like I'm going to a Raider game. All right, it's another week, and it's no, always I'm not a pleasure the to check in with our guy Lincoln Kennedy. Like of course, you'll be able to hear Lincoln on Saturday this week when the Raiders take on the Browns. A former Raider, Lincoln Kennedy, joining us for another uh, episode of the Lincoln Kennedy Show. Lincoln, how are you? Well, Jason, I've had better years, uh, better seasons, and better broadcasts, but I'm making the best of what we have, so I'm doing well. Thanks for you. Well, how are you? I'm good. Well, really better broadcasts. I mean, I know it's more fun when they win, but I'm sure you're still on top of your game there. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm on, on top of the game. There's no doubt. It's just it's it's frustrating when you see you know a team continuously make the same mistakes, and it's like you, you, you think – I personally think highly of the coaching staff that's on the Raiders. Uh, I love Tom Cable. I've, I've, I don't, I've never played for him, but I've had the experience of being around him when he's coached, and I've known he's been able to do a, a better job. But it's just frustrating to watch guys like Alex Leatherwood struggle with the same things, Brenda Parker, the entire offensive line. Uh, 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 well, I guess you can say Andre James is playing better, and Colton Miller is having an all-pro season. But, you know, when it comes to offensive line, you can't just single out guys. They have to play con- consistently as a unit. And so if if one of them struggles, all of them basically struggles in, in light of the, the situation. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's so many things that went wrong in Kansas City, Lincoln, but I, I thought that was one of the worst line line games they had this year. What did you think? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, and what was more frustrating about it is because Alex Leatherwood, especially on Chris Jones, uh, made the same mistake over and over again. He decided to fire out on a longer, taller defensive tackle, which is one thing that you never do. You let them come to you because one thing, it buys time. Second of all, you can always counter what they're supposed to do. Rather than being aggressive, because he's going to use his length against you. He was just doing an arm over move, uh, going on to the outside shoulder of Alex Leatherwood every single time on a pass rush. And, and he, you know, Alex was getting turned. He, there were times where he could, you could say that he made a holding call or just a bad block. But he, but he also put his tackle on an island because if a, if a team was running a TE stunt, which means the tackle goes out towards the end and the end comes around, there's no way for Brandon Parker to be able to switch that off if he's already being bumped and pressed by, uh, by Chris Jones at the defensive tackle. Yeah, it just and, – and really nothing got going. Turnovers, mistakes, not having wall. I mean, the offense couldn't get going. They couldn't stop the Chiefs. It, it turned into such – a bad day that kind of like how you started it just you know I I feel like the Raiders are better than that but it didn't matter because they just got dominated in every aspect you know it it, again and go back to the frustration because as a media member I'm hearing that these Raiders well we need to focus we need to pay attention to detail and the very first play of the game Josh Jacobs is loose with the ball Mm -hmm. calls the turnover and you're down seven nothing after the first 15 seconds not to mention that you know you have the offensive line troubles. You can't get anything started off at, uh, down the you know down the field, or you can't run the football, can't throw the football, you can't do anything offensively. It just turns into a blowout. You know, Lincoln, from your playing days too. I I, I you know listened to almost all the post game stuff, and I heard Coach Basacci, I heard Coach, uh, I heard uh, Derek Carr, and Carr is very much a glass half full. He's an optimist. He wants to be positive and. I don't know what, what lands best, and maybe it's per individual, but if it's, hey, we need to throw furniture around in the locker room, we need to yell, we need to back away, what what tends to work best for a team that's in a little bit of a rut to get out of the rut? Well, in my experience, Chase, it's always been, you know, rather than give the rah-rah speech, go out there and play better. Mm. If every man is accountable for his, to his position, for his job, then you can play better as a team. 
you know, there are a lot of people who make the comments or have heard comments in, in the media that, you know, chemistry in sports, oh, that's overrated. Well, chemistry is important when it comes to football because it's a team sport. And you need 11 guys who need to be focused on the same objective uh, every time they go out there. And more importantly, you need 11, 11 people to be focused on their job their task on every given play. If you have that, you can be successful. If they're playing at the highest level, let's, let's face it, everybody gets paid for a reason. Everybody's great athletes. They can do what they can do. They run fast, jump high, lift, lift the world, whatever the hell it is. But, you know, you need chemistry to work together, learn how to work together in order to make it happen. And that's mostly essential on the offensive line. I need to know what the other four guys are doing on the offensive line every single time so I know when I'm doing my job, we work harmoniously. We work as one. We get everything done. Um, and, and so what, what I've seen throughout the time, throughout the year, is that there's been times where Derek hasn't trusted his offensive line. Derek hasn't trusted his receiving core when he hasn't had to his stars. You know, without having Darren Waller for the last couple of games, there's been times where Derek, trying to go down the field, looks a little lost. He depends heavily on, on Hunter Redford, which is not a bad option, but at the same point, he doesn't give other guys a chance to shine. And this past game against Kansas City, well, he couldn't give anybody a chance to shine because the offensive line was absolutely horrible. Um, you, you, you table that with the fact that an inept offense and the fact that the defense gets worn down. They play better than they have in years past, but they get worn down over time. And more importantly, if you have an offense that has capable weapons like Kansas City, they just look a whole lot better than, than the defense is able to handle. So it, it really is one-sided. But when it comes to the whole, you know, what should, you know, what should the quarterback say, what should the leader say, I mean, the thing is, is that I'd much rather, rather than you give me a rah-rah speech, I'd much rather have you go out there and play better. In order for and then when it comes to the quarterback, in order for him to play better, the offensive line has to play better. You see how the, the, these things work hand in hand? You see what I'm referring to? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and even to that point, too, it's, you know, Waller's one guy. But I think if he's there, that opens up things, that he keeps defenses honest. Then Renfro as your second option or third option, or even if he's still your first option, is still reliable. And then Edwards and Zay Jones and Jacobs and go down the line, Moreau, all of them, it, they, it all seems more complete. But just missing the one big piece has seemed to make such a huge impact on this team. Well, mainly because the way Derek has relied on, on Darren Waller throughout this season. We saw from the very first game when he targeted him 19 times. He was purposely trying to get the football to Darren Waller. Um, and that, to be, yeah, that can be at a fault. When you look at all the changes that this team has gone through, losing three rugs, which I think had a, an effect on, on, on Derek Carr, um, and, of course, the inconsistencies with the offensive line and everything else, it's just been troubling for, to figure out, first of all, as a coaching staff, what can you game plan? If you can't block anybody, it starts up front. If you can't slow down anybody, you can't open up a running game, you know, you, you have to try a running game even when you're down by four touchdowns to open up play action. If you can't do that, you know, what, 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 what options do you have? This is not a, you know, a pass-happy team though it has shown parts in the past because this is not an offensive line who could hold up against a basic four-man rush. So what options do you have to do to, to make things work? Talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Lincoln, uh, the Raiders will get the Browns this week. Some version of the Browns news today that uh, Coach Stefanski has tested positive, uh, Baker Mayfield as well. They had, what, eight guys listed on a, the COVID report yesterday. It's really flying through the league right now just kind of sticking with that um i don't know what the answer is for the league but i mean COVID hasn't gone away it just seems like it's really going through the nfl is there any kind of a pause needed a different look at testing i i, I don't know where, where do you think uh, the league goes with this yeah unfortunately with the the way this pandemic is run rapidly around the world i don't know what you can do i mean you you know what 
the league wants to do. The league wants to hold business as usual. And they're they're at a mindset, I honestly think, in the New York offices that, you know, we don't care who you put on the field as long as the show must go on. Um, and I don't know how you work your way around that. Um, it's unfortunate. But, you know, it's, it's it's the way people are trying to focus and process what's happening around them every every, every day. Um, and, and, and the league's not going to have what they had last year where they had to, you know, postpone games or push games back. or whatever. They're just going to keep moving. They're going to keep chugging forward. Yeah, and, you know, again, the impact this week, if you're the Raiders, you can't worry about what's going on with Cleveland and who's there, who's not there. they got to get themselves right because, you know, they're on the backside of this playoff picture, but you have a hot finish, stranger things can happen. So uh, trying to rally and go to Cleveland, who also needs this game, uh, that's just that other cloud that's hanging over, just the the COVID concerns. Well, yeah, the the, the COVID concerns, and of course you have to be concerned. You just played a team where one of their star players had a big game, tested positive for COVID, and and Chris Jones in Kansas City, and how that affects you know the the guy's mindset of going out there. Because obviously, I know no guys, nobody wants to miss time. But if you're the Raiders, look, you you you've had you've played teams when they've been you know short sighted, they they've been low in personnel, and you haven't had a chance to win or whatever. You you just have to take care of business. If I'm in the Raiders locker room. We got to find a way to. We got four games left. It's not totally out of the question, but again, we put ourselves in a position losing uh, five of our last six games. That now every game becomes a must-win, and I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. Every game is a must-win. This is no different. Lincoln, I know last week you, you kind of surprised me when you thought, based on the way the the coaches' contract extensions were signed, that you thought a lot of this coaching staff would be back. Right. Uh, you really, you really feel that just based on that. No, not not now. I, I think it's going to cost Mark Davis a whole lot of money, um, and because you know, as much as I like personally like a lot of these guys on the coaching staff, the fact that the Raiders came out as flat as they did in Kansas City um, showed a, a, a lack of control, and and I, I don't know, I don't know if you cl- totally clean house. I don't know where you start. I don't know if you hire a new head coach. You're probably going to have to hire a new general manager. There's really no way that you're going to have you know somebody come in and say you know I've I've worked with Mike Mayock before because he came from the NFL Network, so he never worked with anybody before uh, to say that you know I feel comfortable staying with them. So I think it's got to be a total changeover from top to bottom, including quarterback. Wow. Uh, but I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, and, and we know I mean Mark Davis's big move obviously is his holy grail was was John Gruden. Um, right. I've heard this name before. I know it's been connected to the Raiders with his one year years back. Any thought of uh, potentially Jim Harbaugh? The only issue that I have with that one, Jason, is the fact that this year, uh, other than any other time, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh is having success in Michigan. He finally turned it around. He's in a college football playoff. If they have a tremendous run, let's say they let's say they they, they win their first playoff game and play for the national championship. Even 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 if they don't, if they have an early exit, I still don't see Harbaugh leaving. Hmm. He, 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 and besides that, he's one of those control guys that you would have to give the total control. He wanted it in San Francisco. You know what he what he had when he was uh, dealing with the York families and, and as well as the uh, uh, the general manager back in, in San Francisco. So I mean, unless unless Mark Davis is prepared to told you know hand the keys to another coach like that, I don't know if that's going to happen again. But you know, I. It, I, I just don't see him obviously leaving Michigan after a year they had. Yeah. 
And it'd be interesting to see if, in fact, it's a new quarterback, new GM. Man, it could be a completely different look for the yeah. Raiders. Uh, we did hear today, Lincoln, as well, that uh, Vegas will be getting the Super Bowl. We already know it feels like a festive atmosphere every week. How how amazing do you think the, uh, what is it, Super Bowl 58 in Vegas will be? Yeah, I'm not surprised. What is it, 2024? Yeah, I'm not surprised. We knew that, that you know, the NFL has made it a priority. When you build a new stadium, you'll get a Super Bowl. And look, over the last couple of years, they've had the Mercedes Dome in Atlanta. They've had SoFi. Now they have Allegiant um, coming around. And so that part of their normal rotation, rotation, the NFL definitely likes to showcase their new stadiums. Not surprised that that's happened. It's, just, it's probably been, I guess, one year too late. The, the, right now, <laughs> Allegiant is, is looking at a, a, a spark in the NFL eye. It's going to have the Pro Bowl. It's going to have the NFL draft they've got tons of concerts going on there lots of things going on uh as well as the raider games and then i'll be in a couple of years they're gonna have a super bowl yeah uh, just one thought on if if they look at that new coach any name you like any style that you think would best fit this organization no it really it's really hard jason because this year there have been a ton of turnover at some prominent positions and college football for what it's worth has really made a, a, a serious climb when you look at what you know brian kelly got at lsu you look at lincoln riley got at usc there were a lot of notable places that did big hires oregon you know stuff like that there was a lot of trade you know changeover college is looking at just as lucrative as pro mm-hmm. jobs are and and they're actually offering a whole lot more as far as when it comes to control and your idea of putting your your own little stamp on programs so it's really hard to say where you can go for a coach because more times than not you know nfl was like oh i can rely on college to go get me my next guy that's not that's not the case anymore yeah it's not that it's not that simple it's not that easy you know, Lincoln, thinking of college, I was thinking back, I wanted to ask you about this. Today it fits because it's signing day, early signing day, and uh, for Deion Sanders to flip uh, a number one prospect, number two prospect in the nation to go to an HBCU, I think is absolutely amazing and a stunner. Um, do you remember back to your signing day what that was like? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was that long ago. <laughs> You're killing me. Um, no, um, in, in all honesty, it was it was a different it was a different light back then. I mean, um, in retrospect, I wish that I had knew known more about HBCUs uh, universities. I, I I really didn't know anything mm. coming out of San Diego. Uh, about a lot of the colleges, and I wish I, you know, meeting some of the guys that came through those programs. I think I might have, I might have really wanted to look into one of those. But no, it's 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 really just shows how the prominence of having a, a good front man, a good person to rely on, what they can do, the impact they can have on the game, and the fact that the HBCUs are finally getting noticed in the national spotlight, as well as the FBS, FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three, all that stuff. It's all good when it comes to college because there are a lot of opportunities. Now, if we could just find some way of uh, fixing this transfer portal, I think all things would be better. So you think, actually, I was going to follow up on that. I saw Lane Kiffin basically talk about that the other day, saying this is basically free agency. It's the college version of it. It's Without uh, a doubt. you, You don't like that? I don't like transfer portal. And the reason why I don't like transfer portal, let me be clear. The only reason I don't like transfer portal is because the universities do not get that scholarship back. Does that make sense? Yeah, but okay, the counter, I guess, Lincoln, you, you, you choose to go play for Dion. 
And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with the kids making the decision. But what happens when you don't get that scholarship back? You're taking an opportunity away from another person. Okay. So can they rectify that? You know, rectify that in the sense where you're the coach you went to go play for leaves. I feel like you should be able to leave. But yeah, can the school also get that scholarship? Yeah, yeah back? If the school can get the scholarship back to where they can offer it to somebody else. That's fine. But you know, if you have if you have 13 scholarships and all of a sudden you have three guys that leave on the transfer portal with scholarship, now you only have 10 scholarships. So you're cut short in your ability to go out and get someone else. So I don't mind the fact that the kids make their own choice. And look, and Lane Kiffin said, they're going to the highest bidder. Yep. Now with NIL, you have universities who are out there recruiting guys, bringing guys in. And, you know, there's tampering going across the board. It is what it is. But my biggest thing is scholarship is taken away, and the kids don't have you – don't, you don't have another opportunity to give someone else who might be deserving or needs a chance at a higher education to get one. Yeah, the one the one I haven't understood is maybe a, a player has played at a school and graduated and has one more year of eligibility. There's no coaching change. Maybe they even started or played a prominent role, yet they still want to transfer. I, I haven't quite understood that that decision. Well, my and, and looking at that, you have guys. I think I did a game this year against with Arizona, um, and I can't remember who they were playing, but they had a four year sophomore. <laughs> four years sophomore wow. and, I, and when Roxy told me my partner told us like yeah. I looked at him like I loved college I would have loved to stay in college as much as I possibly could you've got your super seniors which are your yep. sixth seventh and eighth year guys who are still in college and and see I don't I don't know the ins and outs of how all that works but to me it's it, it seems a little bit unfair that you could have what a 30 year old guy who's a freshman yeah pretty, <laughs> pretty soon their kid's gonna be on the team with them exactly yeah. exactly right right my goodness well We'll see how it goes this weekend for you, Lincoln, in Cleveland. You packing some warm weather? What's the, I didn't even see you ahead. What's the it's weather? It's supposed to be raining, I think. It's going to oh. be a nasty game. And okay. So the Raiders, I wish they could have had a running game to rely on. Last yeah. time they played Cleveland, they ran for over 100-something yards, but they're going to definitely need to try to rely on their guys this week. All right, well, we'll see how it goes. Lincoln, we look forward to uh, the game. We look forward to hearing you on Saturday, and then we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Jason. Have a good one. All right, Lincoln Kennedy. Thank you, Lincoln. We appreciate checking in with him each and every week on Sports 1140 KHDK. A lot of interesting stuff there from Lincoln. The first one that jumped out to me that I want to jump back into was something that we talked about last week, and I was just really surprised that he felt a week ago that this Raiders coaching staff was going to make it, was going to survive uh, through this season. And I just couldn't see a scenario where it would, and now Lincoln has changed his mind on that. And I think, I, I in barring a, a miracle finish here and a playoff run, I just think... I think this organization right now is at such a major crossroads in their next step between head coach, potentially, as Lincoln mentioned, Mike Mayock, and Derek Carr. I mean, you could have a clean sweep across the board on your most important, powerful positions with an NFL organization. If you're talking about GM, coach, and quarterback. And it wouldn't be entirely a bad idea to make the clean sweep. Because you're going to do the coach. I don't know that you have to do Mike Mayock, but it wouldn't be an entire... I mean, you kind of had the Mayock-Gruden plan together and Derek Carr. And now when the one piece, the most sturdy and stable 10-year signing piece is gone in John Gruden, it kind of makes sense to do a full evaluation because, I mean, what have the Raiders been? Consistently here, this team that's been 500 or below with this group, with Derek Carr, who's not a bad quarterback, but he hasn't been a difference-making quarterback. And with Mike Mayock, who has had plenty of misses, some hits too on drafting and free agency, but a lot of misses. 
So it feels like these next couple of weeks, starting with Saturday in Cleveland, um, these are all auditions, all tryouts, all further fact-finding opportunities for Mark Davis and the decision-makers for the Raiders. And if I had to pick right now today on December 15th, I think this team is going to look completely different, and I think that the triumvirate might happen. GM, coach, and quarterback. Now, Carr will go on to be somebody's quarterback if he's not the Raiders because he's he's good enough. And I really would like to see him with with all of the proper complementary pieces. Now, other quarterbacks would elevate the entire team, and I think at times Carr can, but he's got a good arm, pretty good head on his shoulders. I think he's got the right attitude and approach. And I think he loves being a Raider, which is too bad if that's what you want to move on from. But it's not like he hasn't had his opportunities. So big decisions that will have to be made uh, for the Raiders. But a couple other things that Lincoln said that I would say uh, surprised me a little bit too. Uh, not even surprised me, but um, I-, I also just like the thought process of talking about um, kids with their opportunity in picking their college. I mean, that has totally changed over the years, I mean, I, I kind of had fun there with Lincoln asking about, hey, do you remember when it was for you? But, I mean, now it's things are videoed, YouTube, um, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Guys jumping out of parachutes to announce their college with a shoot that has the school or the, the decoy with the fake hats and whatever it might be. There's just a ploy to make announcements now. And, I mean, I guess you get one opportunity to tell everybody the school you're, at least you're initially signing with. But more and more... The transfer portal is a option, and it's a thing, and it is, you know, people change colleges, forget athletes. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to this school, and I changed my mind. That's not the right one for me. It's a little different with athletes, and I like Lincoln's proposal, though. I didn't realize that about the transfer portal, um, because I like to protect the student-athlete that went to a school because of the coach. The coach is really likely the one that's landing them. The recruit, they're attached to them. They like what they've said. They like how they represent the university and then there's additions to the school or the area location the conference television all those kind of things but then if the coach leaves and the player went there for him then what so I like the fact that there is a transfer portal I just would wish there would be an adjustment as Lincoln mentioned for a scholarship going back to that university if a player left so anyway um, we'll see where where those things go as college football as uh, the NFL and all that stuff continues to evolve all these sports are definitely evolving all right so we've covered a lot of football there we're still going to get to Chris Landry he's going to join us at five o'clock from landryfootball.com we always get the the very latest we'll ask him about this recruiting day because a lot of people are always going to be high on that and that's it's a little bit misleading because Um, What they really should do is draft class evaluation from like five years ago because we'll all look at, you know, all the rankings. Alabama had the best class, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, whatever, USC. But were they that good? That was somebody's evaluation of a high school player that maybe had peaked already or hadn't matured. Others that, wow, how did this guy get a two-star and became the Heisman Trophy winner? So those kind of things happen all the time. And specifically, I think the misses happen a lot the further down you get, like right, the lower levels. We see misses in the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball. But imagine when it's really hard to tell what the quality of competition is at some of these high school leagues or the videos that you're getting, um, you know, late growth spurts, different maturity rates, all those kind of things. So interesting to see where that goes. But we'll talk to Chris Landry about that and also all the NFL schedule uh, and college all coming up when he joins us at 5. When we come back, though, we got to get back into – the NBA 
and tonight's opportunity for our guy Doug Christie. Um, I'm I'm one absolutely excited for the opportunity. Two, knowing it's also out of a circumstance with COVID nineteen, which has wrecked our world and wreaked havoc everywhere, and certainly is really punishing the sports world right now. And we wish a quick recovery for Alvin Gentry and maybe a couple of negative tests come quickly and he's back on the sidelines before no time. Who knows? But um, I'm really anxious for Doug because I know that this is something he has been chasing and wanting as far as becoming a coach. And every time I'll tell you this, I've tried my best as someone that I mean, I think we've we've developed a pretty good friendship over the years and tried to keep my distance in a sense of a professional distance where I figure he would reach out to me when he wants to reach out. We've talked uh, during since his journey happened, since he left the show here and um, all that. But, you know, I, I have never gotten too much into the the juicy details of a lot of things. I mean, how close was he to becoming the coach the last time and those kind of things. So, but I do know he's really excited. And I do know from what, I've ever heard from Doug behind closed doors, on the air, uh, at the gym, wherever. I believe he's got a grander plan. And what I mean by that is I don't know how much of an impact he makes, let's just say, tonight. One game. Much like Gentry. Much like, I mean, you, you kind of need an offseason, a plan, a this is how we do things kind of thing. Well, that's not happening in, in a few hours. All this found out was found out earlier today. And I'm not saying Doug's trying to reinvent the wheel here. But just for tonight... He's trying to get this team to beat the Wizards. That's it. That's all his goal is. That's all his goal should be. And if it was Coach Longobardi or whoever else they chose to be the coach for tonight. But it's Doug. It's his opportunity. I'm really excited about that. We're going to talk more about that when we come back. It's Kings and Wizards. And uh, also the impact of that closed-door meeting. Does that mean anything for the players? What kind of performance can we expect from them? We'll discuss that when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Thanks again to Lincoln Kennedy for joining us on his weekly visit, getting some perspective on the Raiders and their struggles. Uh, still to come a little bit later, we're going to visit with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. He's going to join us at 5 o'clock. But tonight, it's the Kings back here at home, Golden One Center, as they take on the Wizards. Uh, all we know at this point is that Alvin Gentry is out. He is uh, under health and safety protocols. We wish a, a speedy recovery. And I say speedy recovery. I don't even know if there's any really lingering symptoms. He could be asymptomatic, but we do hope that uh, it's a short-term situation. But that does mean that Doug Christie is the head coach tonight. And I'm really, really personally very excited about that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the time, whenever time that is, that Doug is, is in charge of a team, running a team, and really gets to implant – imprint his philosophy and just everything from the get-go and time with players and, and philosophy and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's one game situation tonight. Could be a couple. The Kings play a lot of games here in a stretch where they play tonight, Friday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday before the uh, Christmas holiday. And then they play a bunch right after Christmas as well into the new year. So it's a busy stretch. So many games at home. The Kings do not travel outside of the West Coast for over a month. So an opportunity here for Sacramento uh, to get right. We do also know that Marvin Bagley is out for tonight. He's in the health and safety protocols. So the Kings are going to be slightly undermanned there. Um, Rashawn Holmes, remember, he has been out. That's the other part of the equation. Will Rashawn Holmes 
be able to play for the Sacramento Kings. And so you start to take away pieces and elements of what you do and hopefully what you do best to a team that is not playing very well and has given up just astronomical numbers in the first half of the last couple of games. Uh, this team's going to be tested tonight with this Washington team. And the Wizards are, what, 15-13, and 13, not anything of of crazy significance, but when you look at the Kings at 11 and 17, they're certainly better than Sacramento. And the way the Wizards look at it coming out here on their road trip, they're trying to think of their best situation. And they look at a situation where tonight they're playing the Kings. Then they, and this trip started in Denver for them. It's here tonight in Sacramento. They go to Phoenix, Utah. The trip then continues with Brooklyn and New York. So I ask you, which game do you think they think is their best chance to win? It's tonight. I mean, it is. That's a pretty killer schedule with Denver, one they already lost, and the Denver's a bit undermanned. Here in Sacramento, then at Phoenix, who's a really good team, at Utah, those two teams are the two of the three best in the league and certainly two of the three best in the West, and then at Brooklyn, at New York. So this is one they've got their eye on. This is one Washington believes they need to win. So to me, the question, though, on the Kings, now that they're undermanned and without their head coach for tonight, um, and, and just everything they've been through already. What happened at the conclusion of this last road trip? They lost all three games in just such a differing style, specifically the first one to the next two. The first one, offensive explosion, played well there, had every opportunity to win. De'Aaron was great, but he didn't convert the last two free throws that they so desperately needed to win that game in Charlotte. Charlotte was without seven guys from COVID concern. So the Kings tonight without Marvin and potentially without Holmes, that's – pales in comparison to what Charlotte had to do. But going from there, they went to Cleveland, a very good defensive team. And the Kings gave up 81 first-half points, followed by the closeout game of the trip, Toronto, and just getting absolutely annihilated. And when you look at some of the things the Kings have been doing here lately, it's amazing statistically what their starters, and I know plus-minus isn't the end-all, be-all stat, but when the starters have been on the floor – the Kings in the last two games have been outscored the starters something like 170 points. It's incredible, the starting five, what has happened. So what happens at the conclusion of the trip? The, clo- the dreaded and much anticipated and much talked about all the time because there's so much sizzle to it and so much attention to it, and it's a great social media hit to put out there. Ooh, the Sacramento Kings had a closed-door meeting, players-only meeting. Now, I don't know what was said. I don't know who led it. I don't know what the emotions were of that and I'm not trying to make light of it what I'm trying to say is what will come of it what is the result if you you know I think about when I was a kid uh, this takes me back to and if my brother's listening he'll, he'll remember this but I think back to when I was a kid and if we ever had something going on in our family and just some sort of issue uh, my stepdad at the time would say family meeting time and he's like ooh there's just a tone to it. Family meeting. And now that I think about it, it brings back different memories. Um, they weren't all bad, but for the most part, it was something needed to be worked on. And I was the youngest at the time, so sometimes I didn't get all the shrapnel from the, the, the conversation, but I had to probably do something better, clean my room better, help out with chores, something that we were responsible for and should be responsible for, to be honest with you. So family meeting was called, and... 
what would happen? Well, probably for a while I'd clean my room up a little bit because I was just talked to about it or help with dishes or pick up the leaves, whatever stuff that no kid wants to do, but, you know, part of growing up and being responsible and all that kind of stuff should do. And when you're guided to or told to or directed to or pointed out, it hopefully becomes a point of emphasis and you respond. So family meeting happened. In this case, team meeting. And, I again, I've been a part of teams, much lower level, where we've, we've had some of those conversations and people call people out. And it doesn't always have to be that, but it's like this is the wish. This is the want of what one of our leaders that's a peer is saying. So if it's De'Aaron, if it's Harrison Barnes, it's Tyrese Halliburton, it doesn't even matter which player, Tristan Thompson, who's speaking the most or even the loudest. What's the message? I mean, what is the message? What was said? What do they want accomplished? Yes, they want to win. That goes without saying. How do you do it? How do you win? How do you? How does this group figure out how at one point in the season, at five and four through nine games, and the four losses were all competitive losses? Not that that's a, hey, we're close, but the it's different than it looks now. The losses now are embarrassing. So what was said And it doesn't have to become a personal thing. These aren't personal attacks. That's not the intention generally of this. It's I need to do better. You need to do better. We need to do better. And is that in approach? Uh, De'Aaron talked a lot of the other day, that sound that we played about being sharp. Well, I think that's everybody's intention is to win, to be sharp, to play smart, to play hard. Do you know how to do it? Do you know how to do it consistently? Why are we making the mistakes? That's to me. What's the why? Why is this happening? Why are you giving up 81 points and a half? Why are you giving up 70 and a half before that? 70 in the first half before that? I'm sure the coaches, Doug Christie, Coach Longabardi, Herskew, Lindsey Harding, Stacey Ogman, Gentry, Walton when he was here, have all emphasized things like let's come out quick. Let's stop their fast break. Let's not give up points in the paint. I mean, they're believe me, they're telling them that. Will the players, could they recite the game plan? I believe they could. They know it. Why aren't they sharp? Why aren't they able to execute this? Why do other teams, why can they? And and the immediate reaction a lot of times is, oh, well, there's just more talent on other teams. Sometimes that's the answer. But is that always? And when you've watched enough of these games around the league, and you almost go position by position. I mean, Darren Fox is one of the better point guards in the league. I'm not saying he's the best, but he's one of the better point guards. I think we all were very excited about this backcourt, starting backcourt. There's better backcourts, but the Kings got to be at the top 10 of the list out of 30, top backcourts. Uh, Frontcourt, we all wanted Rashad Holmes to resign. He did. He's had a good season. Harrison Barnes, still in his prime. And the, all these individuals, it's all sounding pretty good. The collective, though, the fit. Why? And I'm almost saying this rhetorically, too. I don't know the answer. The coaches are searching for the answer. Nobody is enjoying this stretch that they're in and where I have been fooled by what I thought I would see from this team is all those individual pieces that have worked, that have had success at different portions of their careers, and even here, we're all together again and playing games together and being in the battles together that they've gone through. Like we said before, oh, man, De'Aaron Fox, these rookie lumps he's going through. Wait till he gets into year three and four and five. Here we are. We're here. 
and it's not all figured out for him. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, man, the instincts, the gifts that he has, amazing. Wait till he gets into his deep into his second year, his third year, his fourth year. Well, he's still only in year two, and there's a lot of things to like. But, again, the fit together has not all been able to jive. And the Kings, on a night tonight, they don't they don't need to worry about this whole homestand. They don't need to worry about the next ten games. They need to find a way to win tonight against a good team that plays hard, that plays together, and is missing a few pieces too. Rui Hachimura hasn't been around. Um, they're going to play without Kuzma. We know the Kings are without their coach Gentry. I believe Holmes, I, I, I don't know if he's going to give it a go tonight. And then we know that Bagley's out. Uh, Jason? Yes. Uh, according to Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee, the Kings will also be without Terrence Davis. I was starting to wonder that myself. Okay. So he has entered the NBA health and safety protocols. So that's something now that is happening to the league. It's happening. It had avoided the Kings, but now it's here. And I say avoided the Kings. It, it really didn't. If you think before the bubble started, the Kings had four guys, four players that were impacted by COVID. We know last year, the end of the year, De'Aaron Fox missed the, basically the end of the season because of COVID. And now they've got two players that are in health and safety protocols and their head coach. So it's, it's ravaged the sports world. And uh, our entire world as well. So, all right, break time for us. We'll come back, take a closer look at this game tonight, specifically the Wizards. We'll uh, have the crossover, too, from the morning show and a linear championship update. All that coming up before we get to five. And Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. We're back with more after this on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, is going to join us at the top of the next hour. Then it's game night. High flyer. Scott Marsh, they've got it for you tonight. The Kings take on the Wizards, if you've not heard by now. Doug Christie will coach tonight. We wish the best for Doug. If not, we're ripping him like crazy tomorrow. Oh, and one Coach Christie's got to go. No, I'm so excited. I want him to win so badly. And really, it's for him. I, I, I like the players. I want the team to win. Ah, just Doug is the best. I do so. feel kind of bad for him. Why is that, Chris? Because the way it's going, it's going to be really lonely on that bench tonight. I know. With uh, Marvin Bagley now out, uh, Terrence Davis now out, and then, of course, um, Alvin Gentry not being there. And, you know, the Kings uh, just doing a little modified warm-up here a few moments ago. I haven't seen anyone else come out here lately. I, I, I don't know that Rashawn Holmes is going to play. That's not COVID-related. That's still injury from the eye. He missed all three games in the trip, and the Kings are certainly better with Holmes. And I think Tyrese Halliburton plays a lot better with Rashawn Holmes. Um, so we'll see the Kings. Hey, look, they've played plenty of teams that have been undermanned. Sometimes they've taken advantage of it more times than not. They haven't. They're going to have to try to do that tonight. Um, in this case here at home and, uh, see what they do in their first matchup of the year against the Washington wizards. A couple other notes for this game, uh, before we get you an update on the linear championship and the crossover for the day, uh, the wizards, as we said, are playing without uh, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, their top five, here's an area of concern. Red alert, red flags, everything's going off here. Sirens everywhere. Uh, top five in the NBA in points in the paint. Kings have been dreadful lately, allowing points in the paint, and they're dead last there. So they've got to worry about that. Wizards, when they hit the long ball, when they hit those threes, 10 or more, they are 12-4 and four this year. And they're also very good in close games. So <laughs> the Kings lately haven't been in that many close games, but... Um, we'll see what they could do here at home again with this stretch of so many games being played 
in this building. Uh, the Kings, on that road trip, Chris, had an opportunity. We were so excited to play for the Linear Championship. First time this year, uh, they went to Cleveland. They were involved in the Linear Championship, and they didn't represent very well. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, that was the game. They were awful in the first half, really awful for the majority of the game. Uh, tried to make a comeback, but ultimately fell short. So what's the latest? Where are we now? with the linear championship just looking at live right now they're currently playing the uh, Cavs have the trophy and in the second quarter the leader is come on tom say it with me you pancake eating mother <laughs> that's cleveland so who are they playing tonight they're playing the Rockets. so if something happens tonight to where the rockets get back in this and there's there's a big update you'll hear this sounder <laughs> oh, you got me with that one. Good one? You, yes, you got me with that one. Um, Astronaut Jones? Hey, very good. Yes. Uh, who's better character, Astronaut Jones or I'm Brian Fellows? Brian Fellows. Yeah? That yes. rat is dirty. Um, Astronaut Jones, though, is pretty good. Astronaut it's just Jones. for the song. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, well, let's get the uh, – we're in our closing moments before we get to Chris Landry here in our next hour. Uh, the crossover, we've been missing out on this for a little while. I was off. Dave was off. He's going to be off again uh, coming up. But let's uh, let's hear what they – oh, you know what? I did hear it this morning. This is going to be classic uh, crossover question from Dave. But let's go for the uh, the crossover. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Here's today's crossover. Crossover time for Jason Ross. Jason, we had Katie on today, and I take questions from the audience for her. And one of those questions was fast food or french fries, which I'm sure you have opinions on. I'll ask you the same thing we were going to ask her. Number one, give us the best fast food french fries. You've asked this question like three times. But number two, (laughs) rank for us the following. Regular fries, curly fries, waffle fries, and tots best to worst have mm. a great day okay well i think the answer is and always has been and probably for most everybody i think is i guess mcdonald's right i don't know the last time yeah. i had mcdonald's fries but no i said yeah okay uh ranking regular fries curly fries waffle fries or tots i used to be anti waffle fry but i've moved up that's moved up for me and i always have loved tots um i think Waffle fr- the only waffle fries I like are from Carl's Jr. How about uh, my pleasure, Chick-fil-A? No. No? I think they're trash. Wow. Shots fired. Well, you're not getting those on Sunday. Um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go classic. Regular fry first. A surprise tots second. Waffle three, curly four. Wow. We couldn't be any more different. What do you got? Curly fry one. Okay. Uh, regular two. Okay. Waffle three. Top Anti-tots, four. huh? And they're or, fine. Or just their last. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, all of them are, are more than fine. I've never had a bad curly fry. Yeah, let me see. Well, the bad thing is there's, I wouldn't say there's nothing worse, but a bad fry is pretty bad. It's hard to screw those up. But you can. Yeah, you go to Chick-fil-A and... Uh, for their waffle fries. Okay, send your fries my way instead to, to Chris for Love. Oh, and in and out fries. You know what? I don't mind them. A lot of people just despise those, but I, I like them. 
I don't hate them, but I mean, they're not the best. They're not the best. They're not the best. The burger's good. The fries at the price at the price point can't beat it. Honestly, what is the price point? I don't know. Six, three, five, oh, four. Okay, yeah, maybe three. I don't know. <laughs> it's going down. Sales everywhere. All right, that's it. Thank you for the crossover there for Dave and for Jay. We will break one last time here. When we come back, we'll get you to the final half hour. Get back into some football as weekly visit. LandryFootball.com. It's Chris Landry. He joins us to start the next hour here on Sports 1140 KHDK.